From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Hi, Garris here. Cofield in Fort Collins getting ready for a UNLV basketball game tomorrow. Willie, Adam Hill, hanging out at the Finley Toyota Studios. Damon helping us at the beginning of the week. Boy, where do I go here? We got a good rundown in the 5 o'clock hour, but I, cu- I have a couple of things I got to open this hour with. So I don't know if you guys remember, about 10 days ago, Matt Leinert had asked a question. Uh, he did it for every conference, but he was asking a question of Mountain West fans. If they had to live somewhere for 10 years in a Mountain West conference city, mm. where would they want to live? And I remember the answers on Leinert's thread were just filled with mountain division towns like up here in Colorado and Utah and Idaho. So I made my own list and I had Albuquerque and Fresno ahead of every mountain town. I got a, I got a a question from one of our good friends who lives in South Carolina. Heath Klein does radio in Columbia. And even he was like, Whoa, he's like, you sure you want to take Albuquerque over Fresno? And I simply, I fired back, uh, one, I feel more at home in Albuquerque and Fresno than I do around the people of Utah and Idaho. So that's one thing. And the other one is, I'm not dealing with weather. So then we have friends in Colorado. You you know Adam, right? Uh, Chad Andrews, who's been in Denver forever and has done radio here. And Nate Kreckman, who's one of the voices of the Mountain West Network. And he does radio in Denver. And chad especially got on me and he's like oh he's like the weather here is no worse than in the midwest and the northeast and i'm like well i have experience in the northeast it's worse we don't get that many like sub 15 degree days in new jersey and pennsylvania and new york and so as soon as i landed today because i obviously you you can check the weather you know i knew it was going to be frigid here (laughs) so it's about four degrees there's snow everywhere I don't like snow. I'm in my 50s. I fall. Uh, big boy, fall hard. Uh, I fell in Denver last year. I've fallen in, uh, I think it was Wyoming. I don't like snow and ice. So I send a, uh, I send a photo, you know, also with the temperature, but a, a, you know, a photo of all the snow here in Fort Collins, and I'm like, this is why this sucks. So then they come back at me, guys. They come back at me, Willie, and they say, oh, you just, you hit a bad, you know, you hit a bad time. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Small sample. I'm like, I've been to Fort Collins like seven times now. One out of seven. And it was because it was football season. It was early. One out of seven. It's been above 40. And two weeks ago, I was in Logan. It was 25 and snowing. And 10 days from now, UNLV will be in Laramie. And I guarantee it'll be 20 degrees and probably snowing. It's like these people have been brainwashed into thinking that this is okay. It was like zero. It's not okay. It was like zero when I landed in Denver for the the Raiders game. Um, About the same. But this probably is not the best day for you to be doing this rant. It was like a blizzard way, in Henderson. Yeah. Uh, I, c- come on. Yeah. Somebody come po- on. Somebody posted a snowman in front but, of the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. Yeah. I saw snowman. that. Well, let, let's be. Oh, they did. A, a real snowman. Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw I saw Kevin Janison post a picture. No, of, it wasn't you know, Kevin. The weatherman. Uh, uh, what's that? It wasn't Kevin. I don't know. Okay, I don't, well, the, the, the photo he posted was two snowmen but essentially it was three snowballs oh. on top of each other so it was probably a foot and a half off the ground it's funny uh unlv's uh, sid andy grossman is is across the lobby because i'm doing it here from one of the fort collins hotels and he's just laughing because all of us from vegas when we go north 
And it's like this where, like, I don't get it. I don't know why you'd want to be here. My favorite here in Vegas when it has snowed in the past and when my son was younger is when at about 6, 7 o'clock on a day like this at night and all of a sudden the news alerts go out that there's no school tomorrow, it's a snow day, they're shutting it down, and then the next day there's absolutely (laughs) no snow on the ground. And I think back to my days in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. (laughs) Uh, You're you're going to school. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Everything better be frozen and three feet of snow. You're going to school. They're ready. You're walking to the bus stop in in Eden Prairie, and there's at least four inches of snow on top of the asphalt that's just been mashed down, and that's now the road. Sorry, I know weather talk and complaining about the mountain cities. Like this, my job is cool, so we get the chance to travel. So I'm not whining about it. But when you're going to start arguing with me over picking cities to live in for ten years, you can't just lie about what your weather is, Adam. No, no. And look, I, I know that Denver is not as cold as we think it is, but when it is, it's freezing, and there's yes. too much of it. It's yeah. too many. It's well, too much of the year. It's look, it's cold here right now. It's but it's yes. not. It's not the It's all relative. Yeah, of course. Here's the yeah. thing. Exactly. Like, uh, w- w- whether it's a myth or not, mm-hmm. when you're in Vegas, cold is not that cold. Like, I swear, I, I don't even know if it's, I said, I, I don't know if I said it on the air last week. Like, the sun came out and it's been kind of dank in Vegas. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so much better. But every night I'm like, it's 42. I'm, I'm freezing. I would have never felt that way growing up. But you just change. And don't tell me eight degrees isn't cold. It's freezing. 40, it's, it's 40 degrees free- is cold. It is cold. We now, are spoiled. Do you we've, pref- chosen, we've chosen to live in an, an arid environment, and it's freaking sunny, like 220 days a year and pretty freaking warm. When did you get here officially, Steve? Like long, so Nine, you've been- 96. And you got here when, Adam? Uh, 2000, some, no, no, 93. What am I thinking? Yeah, it was like 93, yeah. 2000. Yeah, yeah, you were here before I was. I okay, so uh, either one of you, do you, at this point, do you prefer the coldest point of, would you rather, what would you rather put up with, the coldest point of a winter here or the hottest point of a summer? There's, there's only one answer. Not for me, but go ahead. I don't even know. I, I hear people say this all, especially it's newcomers. A lot of, you know what happens? Because the paper, your paper, Adam, cycles people in all the time and i hear them say i'd rather have it like this than 115 up yours yeah well. up yours i'll take it 115 i th- here's here's the, the funny thing is too the summers have actually gotten milder in vegas over the years yeah. i like, the like cold. i feel like i feel like we have very few days of 110 plus cold cold is stupid i'm t- <laughs> i'm tired <laughs> I've been here since 72, and I'm tired of the – I'm tired of 110, 12, I 15, whatever. I, I don't – but the thing is, is, of course, I throw a hoodie on no matter what month it is, no matter what day it is. By the way, I'm, I'm feeling – Steve might might not even know this yet, but I'm, I'm feeling this is going to be a devastating one for Steve, the breaking celebrity news. Uh, give it to me. Shirley? Yeah. From Laverne and Shirley has died? Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I put it on Facebook that her and Penny uh, Penny Marshall are skipping on a cloud. Shlemiel Shlemazel, Hobson Rep Incorporated. I feel like that's right up Steve's alley for some reason. I saw uh, Cindy Williams, right? Yes. Yes. I saw Cindy Williams on a game show because uh, I watch old game shows all the time, and I was like, hmm, pretty hot. You know who else died today earlier this morning? Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. You know who died earlier this morning? The original actress who played Wednesday Adams. I saw that. She got to see the remake, and then that was it. 
Oh, what a bummer of a day. Yeah. Like everything comes in three, so I don't know which actress or actor, but you know. Mm-hmm. Cindy it's Williams. Be me falling is, in the snow. Cindy Williams, <laughs> that's, man. That's, that's me the third. That was rough. Yeah, Free, that, yeah your, hip is, your hip is shot. Your hip is shot. Pretty good results over the weekend for UNLV in the rivalry series against Nevada, which, by the way, I got a lot of guff for calling it Nevada repeatedly. On Twitter, on multiple Twitter accounts. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do on that one. What should I do? Am I selling out just because we're on ESPN Reno now? Maybe. I think you're only allowed during that hour, Steve. I I, I do. I think you have to. You know, I understand the partnership and everything, but outside of that, it's you and R, dude. Yeah, it got rough. It got rough. A lot of people were were annoyed about it. Uh, the women were expected to annihilate the Wolfpack. They did it. They were really good. They're 20 and two now. Nine votes. Where's your what was your take on the uh, men's game, Adam? Back and forth game, super physical game. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought, you know, I, I thought it was a game that they were going to win. I, I thought that they'd, uh, they were first of all in a good spot. You know, finally getting a little bit of confidence back with Reno uh, riding a little bit high uh, off of off of a, a good win for them. Uh, so I thought it was a pretty good spot for UNLV to come into, and and I think they took advantage of that. I think you know, obviously Justin Webster draining some threes really helped. Uh, do a lot for them. It, it opened up some other things for them to, uh, offensively in the second half, and they got stops when they needed to and buckets when they needed to, and it was it was a good win for them. I thought all along going in, and th- this is the case in most conferences, in league, a lot of it comes down to matchups. And when I looked at the Wolfpack roster, I'm like, I don't really understand how they're going to have a 6'6", 220-pound point guard, like a power point in Keenan Blackshear deal with pressure and they hadn't turned the ball over almost all year i mean they averaged like 13 turnovers a game at their top they were coming in top 22 in the country and uh you're not giving the ball up uh rebels are actually top 25 and and i'm sorry they're they're actually on 25 percent of their defensive possessions which is uh number two in the country in terms of causing turnovers they were averaging 19 a game and i think in the end the pack turned it over 19 times, and their big guards had trouble dealing with all the pressure. But let me tell you, it was the great thing about the game, because I know a lot of people complained about the officiating. If you were down on the floor, I actually think the officials showed restraint. Like, there were so many fouls in that game, but so many more that weren't called. The intensity and the physicality of the game was – it was so much – I was first four minutes, I'm just laughing. I'm sitting underneath the, uh, the basket, you know, that – that Reno shooting at, and it was it was a freaking war down there. What a great brand of basketball! Let's go. Yeah, I, I pound like, it out. It's, it's fun, and, and I also just another game where you watch it and say, "Man, the tournament's going to be so fun." Uh, that it's gonna be ridiculous. It's going to be crazy. So, uh, just another game you saw where you're like, "Man, these are two teams that are very, very good and have a couple deficiencies, and um, if they can cover those up for a game, can beat anybody." Wyoming is still sitting in last place. Wyoming is capable at the 11 seed of hitting 15 threes in any game they play. So what does that mean for the tournament coming out of the 11 hole going against the six on Wednesday? They could actually make a run. Yeah, anybody anybody can win the tournament, I think. Eh, I mean, I'll say I don't think Wyoming is going to finish in 11th. I think they'll have a chance to finish in 9th because I think San Jose and Air Force are going to fade a little bit here. But the point still stands. They could come from the 9, 10, or 11 and potentially make a run to the semifinals, which also means that um, – the Rebels have to get off the Wednesday. Like they got to get to a point where they can finish nine and nine. I don't think ten and eight is possible, but they have to get off that Wednesday. Yeah, no question. This will be very important. All right, well, you posed a question, and I don't know if you were joking about it because it seemed like ninety-eight percent of people on social media would say 
No. Did the conference championship games in the NFL, did the conference championship games in the NFL live up to the hype? Yeah, I wasn't being facetious. I was just throwing it out there to, for a discussion point because I don't think that it did because Brock Purdy was knocked out of the game. And I think from that point forward. Um, now, I will say this. Earlier we talked about did the referees sort of take the the luster off of things? Were they the cause? I will say that for the fan bases, um, you, you mentioned earlier, was it the if you had a bet on the losing sides – then, then you're going to blame the rest. But also, I mean, if you, whether you bet or not, if you're a fan of those teams, San Francisco and Cincinnati, you're obviously going to point the finger. But I also think that that may have taken away from a little bit of it. The you know um, the number of calls we saw in the AFC Championship and the controversy behind the calls that people had a problem with. So. Um, I think that the way that the Bengals and Chiefs ended, I don't think it was the game people were hoping for and thinking in terms of an, uh, uh, just a crazy shootout. Um, I, I like the under in that game anyway, but I think that a lot of people expected some fireworks. But the ending certainly provided um, a nice conclusion to the day. I just don't think that we saw either game live up to the hype that was expected from each contest. And I think... Because it started with uh, Brock Purdy, the injury, and sort of a lackluster, overall lackluster sort of feel to it, that it it might have dampened a little bit, uh, you know, the hype that, that came with leading into Sunday. Adam? Yeah. Look, I, I thought the Chiefs-Broncos game was – Chiefs the Chiefs-Bengals uh, game was awesome. Uh, yeah. That was very fun. I thought it was right down to the wire. It was everything you could want. In a game, I thought that was that was thrilling. I thought that was great. The other game sucked. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. It's terrible. Uh, and, and I look, I had some action on the game, and and I for the most part won. Uh, so I was I was cool with it. But um, yeah. it's funny. There was actually a, you know I, I was watching the game with somebody from um, so that wasn't from town that just kind of you know was enjoying the the atmosphere of being in a sports book, and um, they were saying that they thought the game was great because hey, look, I put a bet and I won it. Like that was awesome. And, and I guess you kind of forget that aspect of it. Um, but even though I won, I was like, I, I still want to watch. Even if I have to sweat out a bet, I'd, I'd rather watch a game where, you know, it's not it's not cheapened in that way. And yeah. I, I would think even – I'm sure Eagles fans don't care. But I don't think even if you're an Eagles fan, you don't want to – that's not how you want to win. Like, that's it's just it's, – Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, like that was yeah, kind of stupid. Um, they didn't have a quarterback. They didn't – you know, they had to have somebody that just came in and handed it off and – um, it's, it's just weird. It's a weird, it's a weird game. Again, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure many Eagles fans are like, "Shut up, we loved it." Um, but I can't imagine that's how you want to have your team go to the Super Bowl. I, I look, I, I, I tweeted out yesterday: the Eagles were my pick to win the NFC. Like, it, it looks good in the end. I have, I have the future. It's cool. It's awesome. But, um, really, is that satisfying? No. I mean, that's not. I wouldn't have said at the beginning of the year. I think the Eagles are going to advance because. They're going to play a team that doesn't have a quarterback. Like that's that's silly. It's that's not how it's not how we want to watch a game. Prize giveaway time. Caller seven and eight three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero for uh, both of the callers. Uh, Demond's got a ESPN T-shirt for you, but you also qualify for the Warren Moon Hall of Fame Gala this Friday night, the third. You can grab your own tickets at Eventbrite.com. Eventbrite.com. Star studded. Warren Moon is hosting, Shannon Sharp as well, and Charles Woodson. 
There's going to be dozens and dozens of former NFL players at the party at Resorts World. We're going to give you a chance right now to qualify for a set of tickets. Demont's going to hook you up with a couple of T-shirts going out right now. 364-1100, caller 788-364-1100. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. We got uh, Ian Williams, former Niner, coming up in less than 10 minutes. It's Cofield and Company Championship Weekend is Dunsky. We'll continue to break it down. Super Bowl set now. Two weeks in Phoenix, Adam Hill, Cofield, Willie Ramirez on this Monday. Willie, this is a historic matchup, right, especially at quarterback. It is. Uh, first time in history that uh, black quarterbacks will face off in a Super Bowl. Um I'm sure you and I remember very well Doug Williams when he made the first start. I'm not sure how old you were in 1987 if you remember that one, but I do remember the significance when it happened. Well, because I was living in D.C., I do remember. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I forgot. You, you're, you, you've you lived all over the place. Um, but it's very significant, Steve, and, it, and it, it's... You uh, know, it's significant if you know history of the NFL. Yes. And it's significant for where we are now, like... While I never thought about that for a second once the game was set, it still is important. It is. Believe me, there are people who will watch the game and go, oh, I don't like that. Um, Nick Ferguson, a former NFL player, does radio in Denver, pointed it out and what a big deal it was to him and harkened back to his past and conversations that he had with his dad when he was 16 years old. So he tweeted that out. He also did a video. And then he was hit with multiple, let's stop talking about race. That's why racism still exists. No. Okay. What, well, what are we doing here? Listen, if, if you want to put your head in the sand of what the NFL used to be like and how hard it was for guys like Warren Moon to get into the league, for a Hall of Fame player, Warren Moon had to toil in the CFL upwards of seven or eight years before getting his chance it's now 40 years later. There's been progress made. Hell, we had Bill Polian before the Lamar Jackson draft suggested he should be a receiver. We ain't that far removed from plenty of bias, and I still think it's out there. I think most organizations, good ones, have it together. But it's still very significant, right, Adam? Yeah, no question about it. And, and you're right. It's in the context of today, if you started watching the NFL yesterday, it's not a big deal. And I, I get that. Uh, you look around, and a lot of the best quarterbacks in the league are black, and this was going to happen. Uh, but you have to understand the historical context of where we've come from and where this this league has gone. And it wasn't that long ago. And, and you're, you're, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Lamar Jackson. It happens pretty much most times. You see a black quarterback coming out, like ah, maybe you should try another position. Like it, it still happens. It's still out there. There is still that thing. And, and running away from it is not what is keeping racism going. It's racist people that are keeping racism going. <laughs> well, like that's what it is. But uh, there was another thing that he pointed out in the video that let's not forget two the for the first time ever we're going to have two black quarterbacks starting in the Super Bowl in February, which is Black History Month. That is important. And both of you have uh, pointed by, by the way, let me bring one other thing up. It was God Willie, keep going. I just was going to say both of you brought up the point of that, you know, if you just started watching, well, yeah, it's no big deal, but wait a minute. It's significant in that 
the NFL, you know, 11 black quarterbacks started in week one, right? So so if you look at it like, that, ah, it's no big deal. They're, you know, we, we see black quarterbacks. But wait a minute. We are still having issues and questions as to why we can't get more black head coaches, more black uh, people in position of power in terms of the of management. So while a league that is fueled and propelled and starred, right, it, it's star power by black athletes, it's significant in the sense that we cannot get past hiring more black head coaches and more black general managers and more black presidents. That, that's why this is still significant, still a topic, still an issue. It's not to be ignored. It's not creating racism. It's significant. We, and to be honest with you, you, me, or Adam can't really comment on exactly how significant and meaningful it is and how passionate Nick Ferguson was. Why? Because not one of us are black, so we don't understand. DeMond would like to say something. DeMond. I just wanted to jump in just to give some clarity to what you said about Nick Ferguson and none of you guys actually being black as a, if you don't know my voice, I'm Damon Cotton. You can catch me on the Radio Nation Radio from time to time. I am black. So it's one of those things where you see the significance of two starting black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. For me, it is a big deal because you talk about, hey, if you just started watching the NFL, I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago, there was Lamar Jackson, saw a radio host saying he shouldn't be able to wear sleeves because basically he blends in and it's, it's, it's an allusion the, to the, the play, defense. The play action Yes. pass is not fair because, yeah, his sleeves uh, blended with the ball and then his, his hand. Yeah, so exa- there's still racism out there when you look at it. And when it comes to Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, where these guys, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I have ever seen. And I know everybody can say Tom Brady is the winningest, but there is always a reason where people need to say, yeah, but Patrick Mahomes, he's a little overrated. Or when they try to pick the nits in Patrick Mahomes' games. And I'm sorry to say, but I think you do that because it's a black quarterback. Last week, so many people saying, Joe Burrow, maybe he can eclipse Patrick Mahomes. Because I still think that it's a position in the league where, People, maybe not subconsciously, but it's just that that's the white position. They're still looking for that great white hype of a quarterback, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. That maybe they can be a little bit better than Patrick Mahomes because they don't want to give up the mantle that the best quarterback that you've seen come into the league in the past 10 years happens to be a black guy. 364 364-1100. We'll continue the topic with uh, Ian Williams, former Niners. Defensive lineman uh, coming up here in about four minutes. But we got tickets to see the uh, Black Crows. Uh, Black Crows, two tickets, Friday the 10th of February. That's at the Pearl. There's two nights, Friday and Saturday shows. We've got the Friday show. You can grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Call our seven right now, though, for the tickets to see the Black Crows, 364-1100. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Rolling on here, Cofield and company, wrapping up championship weekend. And, uh, you know, as teams bow out of the playoffs, we always like to get on someone who knows the team well. And you kind of look back, then look ahead, see what the offseason is going to be like. And the Niners story got really crazy yesterday in losing. And now we got this injury to Brock Purdy. Uh, Ian Williams is with us. He played defensive line for the Niners from 2011 to 2016. Has been doing a lot of media work since. And he's up with Cofield and company. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. So I gave that whole intro about the Niners, but actually the first thing I wanted you to chime in on was a conversation that started right after the game yesterday when the Super Bowl was clinched. 
and that was this is the first Super Bowl in history with two black quarterbacks starting in the game. And Nick Ferguson, who played in the league and does radio in Denver, he put out a message about how important it was to him. And then there was a bunch of social media messages back. Let's stop talking about this. This is why racism persists. For you, is it a story? Is it a giant moment that Mahomes and Hurts are squaring off? Well, it's obviously cool to have those two special quarterbacks with special talents to be able to go out there and face each other in one of the biggest stages in the world. So um, it's obviously going to be cool. Um, and I think just for um, you know all you know kids around the world, they're going to be watching that game. Um, you know, it'll be cool for them to be able to you know see guys that you know look like them or don't look like them. You know, it's really not the race thing. It's just uh, you know having somebody else to be able to uh, aspire to be. Um, and I think that's that's more the, the what you're seeing on social media, and um, you know guys are excited about the matchups. It's you know um, it's always fun to see any quarterback um, out there, but um, I think for the for the main thing is you know, guys are excited to you know, at the end of the day we'll see he's going to bring the Super Bowl home, and it's not about race; it's just about seeing these two guys be excited out there on Sunday. So. We talk about quarterbacks. Do the 49ers have any quarterback? The 49ers? I mean, <laughs> and what, 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 it, I was at the game yesterday, and trust me, it was frustrating to watch because knowing the type of defense and the type of offensive playmakers that they have across the, the board, all you needed to do was have a healthy quarterback. Um, and it showed in certain portions where Christian McCaffrey makes a great play on the ground. And then you have, you know, certain things that go on throughout the game with, you know, penalties or uh, missed calls. And you're roughly still in the game until a certain area where, you know, the, the quarterback play just couldn't go any further because you couldn't throw the ball down the field. So the defense already knew what they were doing and they were coming downhill quickly. You know, they weren't respecting the pass. So, um, it obviously changed the game. It, you know, it would have been you know very helpful to possibly have Jimmy Garoppolo who uh, was cleared and he possibly could address. And um, no, yeah, I mean, I think the odds would have changed if we had a healthy quarterback. Yeah, I don't know if there's any question. I think the 49ers, you know, they they struggled a little bit on defense, but I think that a lot was just the pressure that was that was stacked on them from knowing their offense couldn't do much as well uh, in that game. I, I would have loved to see what that game looked like under normal. Uh, circumstances, but now we have to move forward and we see Brock Purdy UCL injury. Who knows what that means for next year? Trey Lance, I, I still think is a very, very talented player that could have a bright future. Jimmy Garoppolo entering free agency. Does all of this, what happened yesterday with, with Purdy going down, who knows his future, does this open the door for Tom Brady to come to San Francisco? It definitely does open the door for Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, who's probably going to get traded uh, from the Packers or any other quarterback that can really step in and, and win right now, especially in this system. So can that Brock Purdy and that six-month recovery rehab process and then him not even being able to go through any of the off-season training regimen that the 49ers have, it's going to be difficult for him to be able to step into an all-season role for 17 games, not having six months of being able to throw the football properly. And then you have Trey Lance who's still in a walking boot where – you're you're expected for him to to take that next leap, but he can't take that next leap unless he's on the field and he's healthy, and they have to be slow and progress him as 
his body shows because his health is is obviously very important, and you need someone like him to be able to uh, take you to the next level, and that's why they drafted him and they traded so many picks to be able to get him. Um, and then Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's the incumbent. Where you know, obviously, I know the team would love to have him back at a reduced at a reduced uh, rate, but I think another team is going to pay him uh, a decent rate, and rightfully so because he's done a great job with the team that this 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 uh, front office has put together for the past two years. So, see that quarterback race is going to be different going into the off season for the Forty ers but definitely a guy like Tom Brady or any of these other quarterbacks. Um, that are you know looking for a new team that can you know actually elevate this team right now, especially with two young quarterbacks who are going to be coming off the injury. You know I, this is definitely hot spot for a veteran QB. Speaking with former 49er Ian Williams, who was with the team from 2011 2016, also played for Notre Dame. So Ian, with that, um, looking ahead to the Super Bowl, did we get a look at? A good look at the Philadelphia Eagles tested, or you know, we we've been talking about this throughout the show. Did the defense do its job by dominating and knocking the quarterbacks out, or did it not prove itself because it didn't have to face, uh, you know, a, a true quarter, a healthy quarterback, if you will? And do we not know what to expect now against Kansas City? I I, I don't want to pause there and say you know I don't want to say. That you, you don't know what you're going to get from the Philadelphia Eagles because you have to respect what they've been able to do all season long and then able to do against one of the top defenses and top offenses in the NFL. And that defensive line controlled that offensive, that offensive line for the 49ers for the most part. And it showed, especially on the, on the other side, where the Philadelphia Eagles, their offensive line showed their strength and why they're the top offensive line in the NFL against the 49ers defensive line. Um, so going into this next week uh, for the Super Bowl and looking at the matchups, it's going to be up to Chris Jones on that defensive side for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you're going to have to hold up for Patrick Mahomes because he's going to be a lot healthier with the ankle injury. Um, he's going to be very, more, very, very mobile, uh, more mobile than he was this past game. But he's still going to need guys like Trey Smith and Orlando Brown to hold up their end of the bargain. It'll be very difficult against Graham and Fletcher and Jordan Davis up in the middle. But uh, I think whoever can control the line of scrimmage wins this football game. Go, going back to that 49ers team, uh, you know, we, we talk about the quarterback situation and who knows who's going to be there. There are a lot of guys, uh, certainly some talented players on offense, uh, but there's some, some talented guys on the defensive side that are going to be hitting the market potentially or they're not going to be able to keep all of them around. Is the window starting to close on this team? On the Niners? I don't yeah. think so. I, you have Mike McGlinchey, who's going to be coming up for a contract. Uh, I was actually talking with a friend about him today where – you know, his contract is going to look very, very good, especially for another team because he's un- unrestricted. I think he goes to another team, and another team pays him more than the Niners can actually afford to pay him. Uh, because at this point in his career, it's hard to find tackles who are better and tested, and they're solid. It's not like he's great, or, or it's not like he's very, very bad. He is a solid right tackle. So I think at this point, you know, the, the Niners would love to have him back, but another team is going to pay him more. And then you have Nick Bosa, who's going to command a, a, a nine-figure contract. So uh, 
there's going to be some willing and dealing here. And Jimmy Ward, uh, a very veteran free agent at safety, who's done a great job for this season and for that secondary. And he's going to be another guy that another team is probably going to pay him for his experience, and I don't think he comes back. So looking at both of those sides and in the quarterback situation, you know, we're going to have to wait and see about those guys getting paid because if there's a quarterback that can possibly come in and somebody needs to take a pay reduction, you know, that needs to be done before all these extensions get get, get done, hopefully. So uh, that's kind of my thing on that. And perhaps the biggest potential loss uh, could be D'Amico Ryans, who has been phenomenal be. as a coordinator Very and uh, looks like he's going to go take a job somewhere else. Uh, what What is a team getting uh, with D'Amico Ryans as a head coach? I've heard nothing but good things about him. Well, you're going to continue to hear great things about him because he's a great coach. He's a former player. He's battle-tested. He's shown it on Saturdays. He's shown it on Sundays. And now he's been able to command a, a group of men that have been able to flourish the past few years. And now other teams are starting to see this. And it was great for the 49ers to be able to keep somebody in-house and trust a position coach to be able to take over the helm of the whole entire defense and still be able to elevate these guys. And it also helps to have great players, so it's going to suck to go to another team and have to develop these guys like you've developed the Niners defense. But for him, you know, it's more of an opportunity to be able to develop his type of scheme and philosophy as a head coach. Um, obviously, I would love for him to stay because this team has a few more years to, to, to really show what they can do and, and try to build a defensive dynasty. And without him, they're going to be a little bit more different especially with the situations and the play call and the moxie on the sideline. Um, it's hard to replicate that in hiring a new coach. You never know what you're going to get. Um, but I can tell you one thing. Whichever team does may eventually get him, uh, they're getting a heck of a coach, and they're getting a heck of a guy who's going to be great in the community, and he's going to be great to be able to rally men and be able to go out there and play great football. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Super Bowl. Who are you picking? I'm picking the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs. I know it's, it's, it's not a solid answer for you. I just think at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is so special. It's just, man, like everybody's going to pick the Eagles, that offensive line. Listen to those now. Well, Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes, those guys on offense and the defense side are playmakers. And I don't know what it is, but they shine at the biggest moment. And there was a play this past week, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they, they, they hooked up on a touchdown. And Patrick Mahomes ran over like quickly, like unorthodox, to uh, to to Kelsey and gave him a high five, and that just shows their type of um, uh, uh, connection that they have out there on the field, and it's just like that's unmatched. And it's hard to have that kind of connection with somebody, and they they just have, especially at that tight end and wide receiver, uh, tight end and quarterback um, combo. So I think they're just too good to too good to get beat. Once again, speaking of former. 49er Ian Williams here on Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Ian, do you think in any way, shape, or form that with what the Chiefs have going, and I'm not saying that Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are nearing the end of you know careers or downside, but with the emergence of the Buffaloes and the Bengals and the stars that are coming, that maybe the window is closing because that was sort of my argument yesterday, aside from all the trash talking the Bengals did, and including Cincinnati's mayor, but that there's there's a bit of, there's a sense of urgency. I think when you get to the Super Bowl, obviously both teams have that, but that uh, you know 
it, it, the time is now to get it done because these these other stars and teams are emerging. Oh yeah, and you got the Cincinnati Beagles who are who are nipping on on the Achilles right now. The Kansas City Chiefs. The only reason the Kansas City Chiefs are in this position right now is because of Patrick Mahomes. It's simply because of him and how special he is and what he's able to do to will his team to victory. And when you're talking about uh, the dynasty and what this team and what this city is looking for, yeah, it's a win-now mentality because it's not often that you get a generational quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, especially with Andy Reid and that type of staff, and it's all about win-now and trying to plan and draft and make sure you keep this young quarterback upright, keep him healthy, and you put some playmakers around him. I think that's where they're trending right now because you have the Jacksonville Jaguars who are trending upwards, the Miami Dolphins who have the speediest wide receiver duo in the league. So you have all these teams in the AFC, the Chargers, the Bills, who are trending upwards. And, yeah, they're going to be coming. That's what you saw this, this, this past season in these playoffs. And you're going to see for the next few years, especially with all these guys being locked up under contract, and they're not going to be going anywhere for for the next foreseeable future. So it's going to be an exciting time in the AFC. You can find his work on uh, CBS Orlando. He's an analyst uh, in Florida, played with the Niners. He always gives us uh, great interviews and his time to talk 49ers. Ian Williams, thank you so much. Oh, welcome, guys. Have a great offseason. Thanks for you, too. All right, there he is, Ian Williams. Adam just laughed. Adam's like, there's no offseason in the NFL. I said you, too. Yeah, okay. Well, I still you chuckle, though. There's, there really is no offseason. By the way, it was funny that Ian kind of suggested that he was giving us a boring answer and a square play on the Chiefs. They're the dog. It's hard to believe they're the dog. Now, the number just moved recently from Eagles 2 to Eagles 1.5. Adam, you were uh, not with us in the first 35 minutes when we were talking about the gambling angle on this thing. Where do you think it – what do you think it finishes up? Tough, does it does it finish tough. a pick? Is it going to be mostly Chiefs money? I mean, I, I feel like it is. I, I do think the the Chiefs surprisingly are kind of the sharp side, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think it it probably it probably goes to around pick. I, I don't think it's I don't think it goes up over three either way. Uh, yeah. And so really, any anywhere between the threes is is pick them. But um, yeah, I think at some point it'll be there. We're live in Fort Collins, live in the Finley Toyota Studios, getting ready for uh, tomorrow's UNLV game on the road against Colorado State. We'll come back uh, a little more on the historic uh, moment that is uh, Mahomes and Hurts playing head-to-head in the Super Bowl. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam, can I build on the uh, the end of the Ian Williams conversation when we were talking about D'Amico Ryans? If you were D'Amico Ryans, would you ever take the Houston Texans job? Well, he played there. I, I, I know he played there, but so then he knows he knows that organization. I mean, can any can any coach look at that situation in Houston and go, "This is a serious place"? Uh, no, I don't think so. But I mean, I I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of appealing things about building your own team if everybody stays out of it, but you're right. I mean, the, right. the organization is a mess and has a lot of issues and are a lot of people that I don't think I'd want to work for, but there is only yep. 32 of those jobs. And if I'm looking at what happened to Cully and most recently Lovey Smith, then I want a seven-year deal and I want five guaranteed. Like, I whatever, whatever he's going to get paid. You know, if it's $7 million a year, I want $30 million guaranteed. You can fire me. 
but we're going to go college football coach like, uh, you know, or, or basically you can go to the NFL, Matt Rule. Like, I'm getting most of the money. So you do what you want, but I ain't working on a one-year deal. You're paying me. Yeah. That's probably what he's like, doing. Screw this. Funniest meme that came down yesterday. Did you guys see anything you really liked? I mean, there was a lot of yeah, you know, Eagle fan stuff. Okay. There was one on Trent Williams and said the best tackle made all di- the whole game or something like that <laughs> of him throwing. Well, it was the only pass attempt they had was him throwing a, a player. There you go. Yeah. Um, oh, was that, the best, that was one of them. The best one, one I saw. Yeah, the best one I saw was uh, Andy Reid with a marker in his hand drawing an L on Joe Burrow's head. Pretty good. After the after the insurance commercial with the the mustache. You know, I've seen that commercial probably 500 times, and every time I see it, I see something new. I didn't realize until this last week that when Patrick Mahomes walks up to the uh, seat that Andy Reid just whips the marker across the plane. <laughs> just gets yeah. rid of it. And then I took a closer look yesterday. The actor they got – to play a Chiefs player, I mean, it looked like he was me. It's like five nine, seven chins, and three hundred pounds. Not believable. He was a wide receiver. Um, I, I don't know what he, he was. He's a chubby, fat, white guy with a goat. Oh no! Wait a second. Willie's not chubby. Um, have you bet, Adam? Uh, not yet. Not you didn't yet. pick a so. So what are you waiting for? Uh, so you're betting well, the Eagles. It'll be, it'll be a lot of props. Are you going to bet a side? Uh, probably, but I mean, it, it, I haven't decided for sure yet. I mean, it'll probably end up being the Chiefs. I already bet the Chiefs plus the two. I should have bet it when it was two and a half. By the way, Willie, early in the show, or middle of the show, uh, JVT was kind of busting on people for bragging about their correct picks and their wins, their betting wins. Mm-hmm. On social media. Mm-hmm. You know what didn't happen today? Uh, no one from the vast Lotus Sound crew pulled me on Friday saying the Super Bowl would be the Eagles and the Chiefs. Hmm. Yeah, no one from the vast Sound crew pulled Adam and I from yesterday's Westgate show saying the exact same thing. So don't don't separate your shoulder by patting yourself on the back. Did you pick the Eagles and the Chiefs on Friday? Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday, but you and I talked about it. Yes, we both said that. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna have to go back and I will go back and, and look at that. Because we were like, we were, we both said sort of like, you know, we were, we were sort of on the on the the stuff that I brought up with with Ian about you know the windows closing, but also the poke and the bear, man, the 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 mayor and the comments. Well, that kind of yep. came out afterwards, right? That we're, we didn't talk about that Friday. We talked about that yesterday, Adam and I, but I don't remember yeah. if we talked about that Friday. But ne- nevertheless, yes, Chiefs, Eagles, I believe we both discussed. All right. Well, oh. we'll make sure to get your stuff for Wednesday from the also, Westgate Morning Show. Also, that can be a co- that might be a coach, Steve. I'm watching what the coach? I'm watching the Andy Reid commercial with Mahomes. You think it's a coach? He's he's because I thought right before that he's like, yeah, my new thing is to draw mustaches on the players. Oh, okay. I, I get what you're. So I. But I just, you're right. Yeah. If, if it's a coach, I'm good with it. If it's a player, come on, poor casting. I was thinking of the guy. I thought you were talking about the guy like four rows back. When they show the overhead view near the end of the commercial, there's a guy like four rows back that I'm like, that's not a player. Yeah. Uh, he, could be a, he could be a coach. Nah. It was the guy, it was a guy right next to him. Um, probably the worst casting in a movie since that 5'11 guy played Hank Gathers. <laughs> well, this, this guy, it just I mean, didn't work. This guy looks like he's the offensive line coach, I feel like. Okay. Could be an O-line coach. Yeah. 
Last one, and we'll build on this throughout the week and next week. This is the first Super Bowl in a location where they, you can actually bet on the ground in that state. Yeah, everywhere. It's wild. We'll see you on Tuesday. Thanks, Willie. Thanks, Adam. Don't Thanks, break Demond. a hip. Appreciate it.